Corinthians, and obviously if you know this section of Scripture, you know that eventually we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and that's why we use the title Grow. But before we get there, uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And so our very first verse is in the book of Galatians. He says, uh, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit or opposite to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we're going to stop right there. Um, Galatians is a different kind of book, and it's a different kind of letter that Paul wrote, because it wasn't to um, a local individual group of uh, a, a church like we sit now. Galatia is not a city, it's a region. So when you read early on in the book of Galatians, he says to the churches that are in Galatia. So it's like saying uh, to the churches that are in greater Cincinnati. So it's a bunch of small uh, home-based churches, small groups that Paul wrote the book of Galatians to. And them, just like the churches today, struggle with following God, struggle with allowing God uh, to lead and to be the most important thing in our lives, um, not just as a church, but as individuals too. And so he says, look, here's a gig. You have to live by the Spirit. The only solution to having victory over the things that are going to destroy you, the sin that so easily, in Hebrews says, so easily entangles you, he says the only solution, the only remedy, is that the Holy Spirit controls your life. That's why I talked about the Holy Spirit early on. Because when you hear the word Holy Spirit, there's probably some images that come to mind, or you're just a blank slate, because you've never been in a church that ever talked about the Holy Spirit, who He was and what He does. So um, uh, there are times in my life where I've heard uh, the Holy Spirit speak to me in just a specific and clear, pointed way that I couldn't excuse it as anything else. And somebody said to me this morning, a very similar thing about the Lord speaking to them. And they talked about me and they talked about this church. And they said this, the church is, the, where we are right now is kind of like Joseph. If you know this Old Testament story of Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery and they abandoned him and they, forsake, they forsook him. But Joseph's future was not dependent on anybody else's actions. It was only on the Lord's hand to redeem. And so that idea of this is the season that we may go through, that we may feel alone. We may feel like we are, like nobody is supporting and nobody's helping and nobody, but eventually it is God's hand on me, on you, on us to redeem, to rescue, to deliver out of slavery, to, to, live, to deliver out of prison. So that's a very encouraging thing to me. Sometimes the Lord has spoken to me in a very specific way like that. Other times, um, so I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I know Evan has because this involves Evan. Um, and I know some of you have heard this story. Um, what I'm about to tell you is a story about a vision, not a dream. You understand the difference? Okay. So visions typically happen when you're awake. Dreams would be what happened when you're asleep. So several years ago, uh, Evan uh, had developed a friendship with a guy who owns a farm on Bulletsville Road. His name is C.R. Hollis. And to get, there's a shortcut from my neighborhood to get to C.R.'s farm, and you go across the, across the street, and there's a creek, for those of you who know what a creek is. If you don't, it's a creek. But if you're here, it's a creek. 
And it's from where our church is, it's right across the road. Now that creek runs way down west, okay? Um, so uh, Evan was going to see ours, and we had gotten a lot of rain, and the, and the creek was up. And when that creek goes up, it goes up significantly, and sometimes it crosses the road right up here on 20. And so uh, Evan was going to walk to see ours, and I said, look, you, I said, man, the creek is up. You've got to stay away from the creek. you got to stay away. Because th- at the time, there's a bridge you could cross. Well, Evan, because he is genetically mine, is incredibly stubborn. He's just going to do what Evan wants to do, just like sometimes Will does what Will wants to do. So I told him, I said, man, you've got to be very careful. I don't want you to cross the creek, go across the bridge, which is a little bit farther, but it's still a walk. So he was going to cut over to see ours. So I was out. I was somewhere other. I was not at home, and the creek was up. And this is the vision I had. I had a vision that Evan had tried to cross the creek, and he drowned. And he didn't come home, and he didn't come home, and he didn't come home, and I, I kept calling his phone, and um, there's no answer. And so ultimately, somebody found his body down by the, the bridge um, at Bulletsville Road, and I had to go down and identify his body. I had that vision as clearly as you sit in front of me. So I, I had that vision driving down 20. So I get home. Uh, Evan's not home. Eventually, Evan comes home, and he comes into the laundry room and strips down all of his clothes in the laundry room. So I get him to go out, and he is as pale. And you know what you're like? Like you've gotten out of a, a, a cold pool? He is pale and clammy and freezing to death. And I said, what did you do? And he said, well, I was coming home from CR's, and I stepped into the creek, and it was deeper than what I thought. And how far did, how deep did you go in? It went all the way under. So after I beat the crap out of him... Yeah, that's a true story. So since then, I've often wondered, and that's one vision. I could tell you about a half a dozen others that I could not make up and I could not orchestrate, and I've never understood. And so probably in the past uh, several months, I have wondered about visions and why God speaks, whether it's to Sue Holt or to you or to me or whoever that is. Um, and how to cultivate that, how to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to me in a way that uh, is not just, um, obviously through the Scriptures is the primary way. And if you don't think God's not speaking to you, then let me be very clear, then you are not reading your Bible. You want to hear God speak? Read your Bible. Because He never shuts up. God is a toddler when it comes to that. Just talks all the time. Open your Bibles. He will always be talking to you. When Madison was little, um, there's a there's a little girl who lived behind us who was Caleb's age, and she'd come up and and looking for Caleb to play, and I'd be out doing something in the yard, and she'd just talk nonstop, just on and on and on and on and on. And I I don't even know I couldn't tell you a single story she ever told me, but she told a lot. And I remember saying to Denise, I said, because Maddie was little, and I said, is that what Maddie's going to be like? And she's like, yeah. And I said, stop, my God. Man, I'm like, yeah. It's one thing, like, Alyssa, you got to go home. Just go home. I'll let you know when Caleb gets home. But, I mean, it was just, uh, and you need to know that God is always talking to you. Always talking to you. You have a Bible. 
God is always talking to you. And so I've prayed a lot and thought a lot about how to cultivate and be open and so that however God chooses to speak to me. And I also understand the dangers of that, right? So we all probably have a lifetime of experiences of hearing somebody say, God told me that you all need to give me a million dollars or he's going to kill me. I, I've already, I know who's going to preach my funeral, Right? So, you know, we all, so, so there's dangers in, in that. We have to be wise about how we discern those things. But um, the Holy Spirit is a very specific part of the Godhead. And He serves a different function than God the Father and God the, Holy, and, and God the Son. Um, you know, Genesis says that the, that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters of the earth in a creative process. We know that when Jesus was tempted by Satan, right before he started his public ministry, that the Bible says that he was driven by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by Satan. So the Holy Spirit's involvement in our growth process is very specific, and actually it's mandatory and it's crucial. You will not grow without the Holy Spirit being involved in your life. You won't. This morning on Facebook, I posted this statement. What's growing in your heart is what's growing in your actions. We don't like that to be true. We would like to say, we would like to behave however we want and say, well, that's not what my heart's like. Well, sure it is. That's why your behavior is the way it is, because that's what's inside you, and it's coming out. Sometimes it oozes out. Sometimes it, it's a floodgate. But what's in your heart comes out in behaviors. So we have to be very deliberate that our lives are led by the Spirit. Because we have this, Paul says, I have a war that goes on inside me. And we're going to look at that verse here today. He said, I have this constant conflict. And some of you can identify with that. Man, the things you want to do, you don't end up doing is how Paul said it. And so here's what I know. If the guy who wrote most of the New Testament says, I have an inward struggle, maybe I don't feel so bad all the time. Most of our theology comes from the hand of the Apostle Paul. And he goes, man, I do some stupid stuff. And I go, ah, me too. Me too. So, he says, you live by the Spirit, and you do not then be dominated by your sinful nature. So let's talk about sinful nature for a minute, okay? So some of you grew up hearing the word sin, and you had a very specific idea. And sin was basically everything you did, but not whatever other people did, Right? So you were told how bad you were, you were told all those things, and, and I'm not saying you weren't bad, maybe you were, maybe you still are. Um, but we all have a sin nature, we have a, a part inside of us that is contrary to God, that, is, that wars against God, that has, we have the struggle to do right. And it's, Paul says, that is always with me. Paul also says, you know, I need to die to myself all the time. Paul lived a life where he said, I have a crucifixion every day in my life. I die to myself. My old sin nature, the desires that war against God, war against the Holy Spirit, he says, every day I have to die to that stuff. Die to my will. Die to, die to my desires. Die to myself. Paul says I have to do that all the time. We have a sin nature that is constantly pushing against God. That's constantly fighting against God the desire that we can have to do right and to obey. So, he says, you have this war going on, but you, so you have to be led by the Spirit. 
Now, if you're wondering what those look like, all right, I, I wrestled about doing this, but we're going to do it anyway. So everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Trust me, you won't stand up for long. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to read a list. It's going to be on your screen, okay? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, we're going to read the list that's on the screen. Um, if you are not covered by anything on this list, you can stay standing, okay? Are you ready? Okay, so Mel, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity. You can sit down whenever you want. Debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. I've seen... Because all we had left was orgies and the like. I have cold chills. Oh my gosh. If anybody... I know... I was trying to sit, he had food on his table, I was trying to sit down before orgies, and I thought, <laughs> somebody's going to listen to this online and go, I hope I live close enough to go to this church. <laughs> the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They're obvious. Most of us don't think that our sin is obvious. The, the, the life that is ruled by the sinful nature, the sins are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, he said, this is not the first time I've warned you about this, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk about a couple things, and we're specifically, hey, how soon did you two sit down? How old are you guys? That's a good answer. That's a great answer. Just sit down. Did you sit down when Brent sat down? Because Aaron just, I don't know what's going on. Okay, so, so some of this is easy to understand. Witchcraft, probably not. Hopefully, but you probably grew up around people. I, there's, um, I knew a kid that um, was demon-possessed in the town I grew up in, and it all stemmed from Ouija board. That may sound really bizarre to you, I know pastors who were involved at the time when that happened. So, um, the things sometimes in our culture that we dismiss as, ah, that's no big deal. So let me say to you, you have no astrological sign. Oh, my horoscopes, stop, 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 stop. Now, here's the bizarre thing. Well, I, and I'll just read that stuff randomly because, you know, Facebook rules the world. Um, and some of that is bizarrely accurate. Right. Now, whether that's accurate because that's psychosomatic, you have no horoscope. There's nothing in that. You focusing on that is not helping your spiritual life. It's not. It might, give, it might make you feel really good about any given day or really bad about any given day. It might help you blame somebody else for what's going on. But there's nothing biblical that's going to... There, there's nothing that's going to help you in that. Nothing. Psychics, not going to help you in your spiritual life. They're just not. So you need to run... The, the, here's the dilemma. When you gravitate towards that, 
you're moving away from biblical truth. Now, for those of you who don't think there is truth, you are lying to yourself. There is truth. There is absolutely truth. There is, a, there is absolute truth. There are things that are absolutely true. And so when some people may say, well, that's just your truth. Whoa, 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 hold on. So we all have our own truth? So you make up your truth? When you pass the bar, is that going to be okay? You have your truth, I have my truth? Because when, when Jessica has to represent me, and I say, <laughs> and I say, hold on, Your Honor, that's just not my truth. How, uh, officer, yes, I was doing 75 into 45, but my truth says that's okay. So when do I have to go to court? Follow that line of thinking all the way out. It does not make sense. There is truth. There is absolute truth. And so, (sighs) hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Um, James says, where you find selfish ambition, you find every evil practice. Hmm. When you find yourself caring more about yourself than you do anything else, you'll find every evil practice. Hmm. So envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's talk about what that doesn't mean. He's not saying that if you have fallen prey to any of these sins, it doesn't mean that you can't go to heaven. It doesn't mean that Jesus is not dying on the cross for your sins. That's not what he's saying. So then, what, he, what is he saying? So the kingdom of, of God is a spiritual operation that God is doing in the world. That the kingdom of God, when you read the Gospels, the kingdom of God is always moving. It's always doing something. Jesus told a lot of uh, parables about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is like this. We talked about the, one of those last week. It's about a sower who goes out and sows seeds. So then, if this is the life I choose... If I choose all of those things, that I choose to give in to my sinful nature, and that's the, that's the thing I choose, then I'm not doing anything in the kingdom of God. That is not my future. That is not my inheritance. And so either I'm going to choose to obey the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit, or I'm going to choose to give in to my sinful nature. Newsflash, sin is fun. If you never, if you never, yeah. I don't know if you ever heard that. Sin is fun. It's not the most fun, and it's not forever fun. As a matter of fact, the Bible said about Moses that he chose rather to suffer affliction with with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Those are King James people who just said that. Um, Meaning, you know the King James Bible because that's how King James says it, right, Shirley? Exactly. See, she really got it open. She's way ahead of me, right? Now, why she's reading in Hebrews when I got Galatians on screen, I don't know. Maybe she's got something better than I got. That's entirely possible. But the Bible says that the pleasures of sin only last a little while. Most of us know that. Most of us have lived that life. We know that, man, why did I do that? That is not helping me long term. And actually, that that sin has cost me more than I... And that's a, the fundamental truth about sin. Sin will always cost us more than we are willing to pay, and it will always take us farther than we are willing to go, without fail every time. So, Paul says, man, this is what your future looks like. 
you will not be involved in the kingdom of God if this is the pattern of your life. So let's go to another words of Paul from Romans chapter 7. And he says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. I'm going to read that again because this is a tongue twister thing. I do not understand what I do. Man, I don't get why I fall, sin, fall, into, fall prey to this all the time. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I, what I hate, that's what I end up doing. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So he says, I, when I become a slave to sin, sin rules my life. I become a slave to this behavior, and that rules my life. Uh, I, I, what we tell ourselves is I don't have a choice. <gasps> hmm, Really? I, I just can't do any different. And we have free will. Did you know that? That's what separates humanity from every other created being. That's why we're, that's why we're different from angels, because angels are sealed. They, that is all they do. We talked about Isaiah you know, in the past couple months. Those angels who fly around the throne, throne of God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. That's all they do. They don't have a choice. You, you could have chose to sing when we sang. Whether you did or not, it was up to you. You could have chose to sit there and just be quiet and listen. You had that choice. Make the most of your power to choose. Don't blame sin. Don't blame other stuff. That's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you have a sin nature. Fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. Put good stuff in. Get the weeds out that don't belong. Get the rocks out that, that keep God's Word from taking root. Get the stuff out that hurts your spiritual growth. Do the work. Do the work. Because the stuff you want to do, it's going to be a struggle to do it. He says in verse uh, 18, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I don't want to do, man, that's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So you know that you have this war going on. Man, I've I've got to fight that attitude. I've got to fight that bitterness. I've got to fight that resentment. I've got to fight that temptation to, to, to do whatever is that thing. I've got to fight that. That is always going to be lingering there. I'm always going to have that struggle. So fight, fight, fight. Are you going to get tired of fighting? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. That's why it's important to have right people around you. Because when you get tired of fighting, you have to have the right people who will pick you up and encourage you or fight for you and fight with you in that struggle. So, Let's give you some hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul again says, The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so let's, I want you to understand what this is not saying. He's not saying, you don't know me. That's not what he's saying. 
He's saying that when you live a life controlled and, and um, filled by the Holy Spirit, that you are in such a place that you don't have to worry about anybody else judging you because you're not doing stupid stuff. You don't have to worry about somebody going, hey, 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 because you're making right choices. You don't have to worry about telling a story because it's always true. You don't have to worry about repeating that same story and trying to get it right because you've told the truth all along. Get that? So when he says, you know, um, you, you do the right thing, you don't have to worry about other people judging you. You just do the right thing and you don't have to worry about, oh, I hope Marcia doesn't find out. Oh, I hope Lacey, I hope Bud. I... So you don't have to worry about that when you do the right thing. Right? You just don't have to worry about it. So you're not worried about other people's judging you because, well, there's nothing really to judge. Not that we're people pleasers, and that may be your baggage, but you just do the right thing. You just do the right thing. So, he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is a very difficult thing for us because of what the Apostle Paul said. Man, we have this fight going on within us. So what does the mind of Christ look like for you and I in our lives? Every given day, every interaction we have, what does that look like? Or is that so foreign to you that, man, I... Now, thankfully it is somewhat played out. WWJD, right? Um, and now, not that it didn't serve a very good tool to get people to think differently, et cetera, et cetera, but it be, quickly became cliche, right? Well, what would Jesus do, right? He probably wouldn't wear that bracelet. <laughs> maybe you wore one. Maybe it was a great device for you. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was a thing that you took off when you drove, right? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, my children, I, I recently had a couple meals with my children, or a couple of my children. And, um, and my daughter made it, most of the time my daughter makes me extremely proud, as, as does Evan and Caleb both. But we're sitting in a restaurant, and Maddie asked this fundamental, fantastic question. Which I knew at this point that she was my daughter. She said, and I quote, are your desserts made in-house? <laughs> Do you remember that? A tear rolled down my eye. Right? <laughs> That's true. Evan, Evan and Avery were there. She said, without any coaching from me, and look, if you've never met me here, I, every restaurant I go to, just about, I want to know. And I eat at this one particular restaurant a lot, and every dessert is made in-house. Even they make their own ice cream. Some of you have eaten there with me. Just take a minute. No. Um, so there are times maybe when I don't necessarily. Evan and I ate there recently, and he's like, man, I'm full. I said, well, we're ordering ice cream. You do whatever you want. And he's like, no. I'll, I'll, he said, he had the nerve to say this. I'll just have some of yours. <laughs> you really think that's going to happen? That's, let's be honest, right? That's, we know that's not going to happen. So I got him some. Now, he ate all his, um, and I ate all of mine. But 
You know, there are times maybe, and, and I understand for some of us, you know, I'm going to quote Kim Rankin, God love her, um, because Kim and I are, she creeps me out a little bit, I'll be honest, but, um, uh, but Kim and I just have a very similar outlook on several things, and, and Kim made this statement um, as early on. She said, you know, I tend to eat my emotions, and I can fall into that too. Is that okay that I said that? Too late now. Yes. <laughs> so, somebody's getting married. Wait, somebody's getting married this week. I don't know who, but anyway. Um, you know, so there are times when we don't necessarily want Jesus. What would Jesus do? Probably not eating his emotions. He's probably not blaming somebody else for his behaviors. He's probably not name it, right? So, I know that in the story of my life, I grow best when I am obeying, when I am open to the Holy Spirit, when I am in God's Word, when I'm around the right people, I know that I grow best in that dirt. I grow best in that environment. And I can also say, after 38 years of being a believer, that um, my growth is stunted when I am not connected to the right people, when I am selfish, when I am lazy, when I mail in my spiritual life, right? I'm not personally invested. I'm not working at it. I know that my growth is stunted when I behave like that. I know some of you are shocked that I'm older than 38. It's true. So I want us as a collective, as a, as a church family, to grow. Not just numerically, not just people sitting in these seats, because we have empty seats in here now. There is no reason why there's an empty seat in this church. No good reason. It's not because of me. It's not because of music. It's not be, even because of you, as wonderful as you are. But because God is not willing that any would perish, but everyone would come to repentance. That's why. That's why in my entire context, my simple goal is to bring people to Jesus Christ. Not necessarily to this church. I love bringing my friends to this church. Most likely our opening day, even though we've been here for a while, our grand opening will probably be right around our church birthday. It makes the most sense for the work we have done. A bunch of my friends will be here. A bunch of my friends will be here. Not because of me, but because of who God is. And they ask me all the time, when's your opening day, when's your opening day, when's your opening day, we will be there. Some of them you know, you've met. And the same for you. Because, man, God loves people. And he wants them to grow closer to him. And the same thing he wants for us. So we're going to spend several weeks talking about growing. Growing the right things in our lives and the disciplines we need to be growing. And it doesn't matter if you've been a God follower for 38 years or 38 days. That God intends for you to grow. That he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And I understand where we are is easy. Sitting there with a bag of Oreos is easy. Getting on the treadmill is not. I do have an ARC trainer for... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) 
So here's what we're going to do to close. Um, we're going to put the last words on that screen, uh, the last song we're going to do. It's a song you're very familiar with. It's um, one we've done quite a bit. Um, and uh, at this stage, I'm not going to give you an option. Um, we're going to stand and sing this together. Um, now, by together, I mean that I'm not going to be up here. Um, but uh, this is a song you know, you're familiar with. Uh, we're going to sing that, and when we're done singing it, we're going to um, be done. So let me strongly encourage you again. Small group sign-up sheet on the, on the left side of the bar as you're facing it. Um, plug into one. Join one. Be a part of one. Participate in one. Um, there's, you'll see the sign-up sheets for when they are and the times. Um, the, either, Jim and, either Jim or Jim will change the one about the pegs or, or get rid of that and put Delps. Give your address and stuff on that one, Jim. Yeah? Okay. Um, so um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing... Um, What's this, old church choir? Yeah, is that what it's called? (laughs) Okay, so God, thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you love us and that you desire growth in our lives. And we ask that you forgive us for when we are stubborn or lazy or reluctant or just whatever excuses we have for not stepping up, for not being willing to commit and grow. So forgive us for that. And in that forgiveness, help us to run to you. Help us to be committed to change, to growing, to learning. Not just to being in your presence, uh, but to being together and to welcome people. Because you love humanity. You love them so much that you gave your son as a sacrifice for their and our sins. And so, Father, help us to give that away uh, freely. Help us, Father, to grow um, up individually. Grow up in the kingdom of God. We love you and we thank you. Bless us as we sing. Amen.